Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Welcome to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Thank you for joining the Purpose Driven Sobriety Podcast. My name is Christine, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, I, first of all, I want to thank, I've, I've got uh, Daniel on the show today, but I want to thank, um, and I'm going to tell Daniel this story real fast. The sponsor of this show um, is the, my husband, who was a victim of mine. Um, when we were on a road trip, we, I took a picture. It was We were driving, and I looked over at him, and he looked just so handsome, and so I took a picture of him driving, right? <laughs> well, so I got to thinking, which when, when I have too much time on my hands, and I get to thinking that's usually not a good thing. Um, my daughter is an amazing photographer and is great at Photoshop, and so I, I texted the, the photograph to her, and I said, could you make him a woman? And she said, um, what? And I said, no, just go with me on this. And so I posted on Facebook. I said, okay, look at this beautiful picture of my husband. Anybody want to see him as a woman? And I said, if you want to see it, then you have to sponsor, you know, you have to donate to the Purpose Driven Sobriety Podcast so I could pay for episodes. <laughs> and so I had people donating Perfect. money. And then I released the picture of my husband as a woman with his permission, okay? Um, he wasn't thrilled <laughs> about it, but he knew he couldn't say no. So to my husband, Rick Cohen, I love you so much. Um, so anyway, I have Daniel on the, on the, on the show today. And um, Daniel, first of all, welcome so much. Thank you so much for for um for agreeing to sit down and talk to me it was kind of a, a spur of the moment kind of thing kind of a whirlwind um i met daniel on the intro web on facebook and um i say it all the time there are some really great resources um online and uh, on social media you know you just kind of kind of just like with in-person groups which i believe that's where the magic is um for the most part but there are online groups and stuff too that you can you can get into and and so i met daniel there and he agreed to come on and and share his experience strength and hope with us so thank you and welcome well thank thank you very much for having me and i and i appreciate the opportunity you know um you're right. There are a lot of good resources on there, and it really depends on what you're looking for. And, you know, uh, I looked a long time for a lot of the wrong reasons. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just blessed to have found you guys' page. And, you know, uh, being able to share with others, I think, is a, is a is the top priority of mine because, you know, I know the pain and I know the struggle of addiction and alcoholism. And, uh, you know, so being able to share that, I know it's helpful. Uh, it helps me in in the times when i needed it so i'm just glad to be a a, a part of something bigger oh 100 percent. yep we're that's that 12 step you can't keep you can't keep it if you don't give it away so daniel without further ado why don't you just tell, share with me what it was like what happened and what you're like now okay so what it was like you know um growing up i, I don't i don't think i remember a time when uh there wasn't alcohol around um you know my parents were alcoholics uh i grew up in an alcoholic household um, you know, 
it wasn't uncommon to have, uh, you know, friends and family members over for parties and card games and things like that. And so there was al always alcohol involved. Um, you know, most of the time, um, I saw it as, as kind of normalized. I mean, it was, it was always around and that was a normal occasion. Uh, you know, so I, I didn't think anything was, was that big of a deal. Um, except for, you know, the bad times, um, you know, a lot of fighting, a lot of arguing, um, you know, parents splitting up and then getting back together and, and things like that. And, you know, for me growing up as a child, um, you know, it was conflicted because usually the good times were associated with the alcohol. That's when I got most of the attention from them, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Mm. And, uh, you know, up until, you know, later years. Um, and so, uh, like I said, it was kind of normalized, uh, you know, as, and as I grew up, I, I found that, um, that was where I got a lot of the comfort from finding the people, uh, people, places and things that, that kind of catered to that, uh, that atmosphere. Now, um, were you an only child? You know, with the, um, I was the only child in the house. I mean, I have other brothers and sisters, but they were older. Oh, okay. And so, uh, yeah, so it was just me. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, and, uh, so, you know, like I said, it, it being normalized, uh, for me, I, I didn't see, uh, you know, that it was a problem and I carried that with me for a long time. I found, I found comfort. I found solace just in, um, you know, the people, places and things that, that served, that catered to that. And, uh, uh, until I started realizing that that's what I needed for acceptance was to find those groups because I, I just felt awkward in other situations. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times, you know, with like with my grandmother and a couple of my other brothers and the church and things like that. But I just always felt out of place unless I was drinking. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's really kind of where it started. Um, the, the drinking kind of led up to, uh, you know, a lot of other drug use. And uh, um, and that's where, um, you know, a lot of my legal troubles came in. Um, the first time that uh, I was kind of led towards any type of, of program of recovery was by a probation officer. And, uh, you know, the probation officer suggested that didn't suggest demanded, but I go to, um, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and, uh, the closest I got to the door was the parking lot. Um, I pulled up in the parking lot and, and, uh, this Alcoholics Anonymous saying, Oh, I don't need that. I, it wasn't a problem for me. Um, you know, so, so I, I didn't go, I didn't embrace what, um, now I have found to be, a staple in my life mm. um so through several trips through prison and uh um you know i've been to prison four times i've done 11 calendars on many many different crimes um that were all really fueled by alcohol and drugs and uh you know again it, it was a, it was a search for something else it was a search for um acceptance and and you know not wanting to be uh not wanting to be alone anymore and those were the types of people that i were finding that I could be accepted by just by using or drinking because that's what I knew. Mm. So, um, you know, I mean, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of the, the, the short, the long and the short of it. Um, with, uh, you know, uh, my drinking kind of spiraled, um, in several different ways. I, I'd lost a brother, uh, to suicide. Um, you know, uh, and that, and, and it seemed like every time I, I went through a major loss in my life, when I lost my brother to suicide in 1999, um, and I really got out there. That was more more drug fueled, um, and ended up doing a prison stay. Um, I, and I got out of prison with the with the whole intent of, of being clean, of being sober. But again, I didn't embrace any program of action. I didn't embrace any 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 sober environment or uh, um, you know good support system. Um, and then ab about two years after that, 
uh, I'd lost my mother to an alcoholic death. And, uh, you know, even seeing, even seeing the, um, you know, the effects of that uh, wasn't enough to uh, tell me that I was on the wrong path. Uh, I still pursued alcohol. I still, uh, I still pursued drugs. And, um, you know, usually it was, it was an effort to, to quiet those feelings or to quiet those fears of, of being lost and alone. And, um, you know, so, uh, I think, uh, that was probably, um, when I lost my mother, that was the, that was the most, um, that was the most significant loss in my life and ended up doing another prison stay over that. Um, I, it was, a, I got a five year sentence over that uh, due to drugs, uh, um, you know, stolen cars and just the, the whole gamut of, of, you know, uh, drug fueled crime sprees and things like that. And so, uh, you know, but again, you know, I, I wasn't to to that point of desperation where I felt that, uh, you know, I had the problem. I could figure it out on my own. And as long as I, um, you know, surrounded myself with, uh, you know, if, if this person wasn't using, then I didn't have to use. Or if that person wasn't drinking, then I, then I didn't have to drink. But it was always a, a, a fear of mine. Uh, the, the, the fear of abandonment really comes up. Um, in in my story, um, you know, due to the you know due to the alcoholic background of my family, and so um, you know, whenever there was a loss in my life, and that's that's where that's where the main um, that's where the main relapses really came in. Um, uh, shortly after my mom died, uh, um, again, I you know I caught another prison case, and uh, I came out again with the full intent of being clean, and sober, and. Um, that didn't last very long. I, I got back involved in drinking and drugs again. And, uh, you know, and it's always been a downward spiral. So, um, you know, four prison stays later and, um, you know, 11 calendar years this, this last time. I, I've only been out of prison a month now, uh, a little over a month. And, uh, um, but this time I, I, I had hit a, a point of absolute desperation. Um, what led up to that was, uh, you know, another drinking bout with, uh, with a person that I was with and, um, you know, some, some other traumatic events. And, and at, by this point I had been playing off drugs for about 17 years, but I was still drinking a lot. And, uh, you know, life happens. We know this life on life's terms. Right. Um, but you know, as life, life happens, um, you know, there was just a, a snowball of, of, of things happen that were just overwhelming. And, and, uh, of course, my pride told me that I'm okay. I can do this. I can handle this. I've been clean for 17 years. And so something in my mind, something in my alcoholic addicted mind told me that it would be okay this time to, to pick the drugs back up. And, uh, and I did. And, you know, within a year and a half, I was, I was sitting back in prison again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried to find every loophole that I could in the court system and, uh, you know, applied for mental health court and I got it, um, which, was probably the worst thing I could have done uh, because it really just uh, it really just strengthened um, this invincibility feeling in me that you know no matter what I do they're just going to put me back out on the street. I oh think the judge wow! Me, well, wow! You know, the, what yeah, a way to put the, the hang uh, on. The, Let's pause right there. That is, sure, you know yeah. what, Daniel? That is so profound that you have come to that realization. I mean, that's just, that, I don't know why that just hit me. It's like you see yourself. It's like they're going to allow me to use whatever crutches I can, I can, you know, you saw that as a crutch. And that's just, that self-awareness is something that took me so long 
to <clears throat> to get that that's profound. Wow, good you. Good on you, man. Dang. Wow. Okay, well, I'm sorry. That was just and, profound. No, and that's fine. And it, it really did though. It it fueled uh, it fueled me to an extent. Like I said, I, I I got to the point of I almost felt invincible in in doing the destructive behavior and the and the you know the the the, the suicide that we slowly are committing with mm-hmm. ourselves and every time we use, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just intensified that in, in knowing that, you know, I can screw up again and the judge is going to turn around and put me back on the street. They gave me, uh, I think she gave me six or seven chances um, at, uh, at sobriety, um, you know, at doing the right thing and, and doing the UAs and staying clean and, and, you know, doing court and all this stuff. And, and it seemed like every time, I, you know, it was just uh, uh, every time I'd go to court, I'd like, yeah, I did it again. They're just going to put me back out on the street Monday. And so, you know, every time I'd go back out there, I'd just get right back into the same habits, the same hangups, um, use again. That was my that was my whole goal was just to play this off and and then, you know, let the judge put me back out there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, so, you know, 13 felonies and, and, uh, and, six, and six years later, it's taken really this program of recovery for me to realize all this. But, uh, I remember the, the, the point of absolute desperation was the last time I went in front of the judge and she, she looked me in the face and she said, Mr. Wilson, if you catch one more felony charge, I'm giving you your time. And at that point in time, I knew that because of the mental health court, because of the, the, the sentence that they had already prescribed for me um, was it was a six-year nonviolent, and I'd already done time before, so the time didn't scare me. Um, you know, uh, she said that I'm giving you your time, and I said okay, and I knew she was going to put me right back out on the street. And so, um, you know, within uh, I think within two hours of, of walking out of jail, I was I was in another stolen vehicle, and um, you know, not not two or three hours after that, I was I was uh, right back into the drugs. And uh, um, you know, another 24 hours later, uh, I had another stolen vehicle that I used to pay for a hotel room just so I could perpetuate this insanity. Um, but the, and I don't know exactly when it happened, but the switch happened towards the end of that week. I had been out about five days out of jail. And this, uh, again, this was my sixth time through jail in a year and a half, um, and uh, it was. Uh, I, I remember it was. It, because my sobriety, my, I call my sobriety day February 10th of 2021, um, and that was the night that I finally got picked up and got arrested um, at that point of desperation. But something in me that night changed. Um, I, I couldn't look myself in the mirror. Um, I was just I couldn't stand to be around myself. Uh, it was everything that I looked around and I saw the people. The play was just it was sickening, and uh, and something happened and it kept playing on loop. Like it was on a loop in my mind, what the judge said to me, that if I caught one more case, he was going to put me in prison. And I looked at one of the guys that was there and I, and I told him, I said, I'm gone. I'm leaving. And he, he looked at me and said, what are you talking about? And I said, I'm, I'm going to catch a case. And he said, you're absolutely crazy. And I said, well, maybe, but, but I'm done. I'm, I'm done with this. I broke down and I, and I, I, I left the motel and I had, I jumped in another stolen vehicle that I had stolen from that hotel that I stayed in um, and, uh, and, and went out. It was freezing rain. It was, it was cold. Uh, the, the truck ran out of gas. And it was, I was just at this point that uh, I was like, I, I, you know, I had no other choice. I didn't see rehab. I didn't see detox, anything fast enough, um, you know, in, any other options. So, 
basically what I did is I, as I, um, as I went and I, I jumped in another car and I, I popped the column just like I would any others, but I, because, because it was cold, I was freezing. And I started the car and I sat there in that parking lot and I waited. All I would have had to do was put the car in drive and drive away, but I waited for the owners of that vehicle to come out and find me in the vehicle to call the police on me. And I waited for the police to get there. Wow. Um, that night, that night I caught, um, I caught three more felonies. I caught an assault and battery with a dangerous weapon, uh, burglary, uh, two of an automobile and burglary. Um, and, uh, when, uh, when, you know, when, when the police finally showed up, I, I, I remember this distinctly. I asked him, I asked him if his, um, if his body cam was on and he said, yes, it is. And I said, okay, good. I am absolutely 100%. You know, I did this. I broke into this vehicle. I, I mean, I put it on record that I wanted him to know that this was me surrendering. And that's exactly what it took was that ultimate surrender, that point of desperation where I knew that I was absolutely done. Um, uh, you know, and it was time for a change. And so that, that was my moment of surrender. And that's why I call my sobriety date, February 10th, 2021, because that was the day that I, that I finally just, uh, I surrendered. It was more than surrendering to the police. Right. It was surrendering to my heart. It was surrendering to my higher power. Wow. And that's, yeah. So, um, the judge did exactly what she said she was going to do. Uh, she gave me that six-year nonviolent, um, and by this time I'd already I was in jail a few weeks, and I'd, I'd talked to my family, I'd talked to my kids, and and I told them kind of what I was looking at, because um, like I said, I I knew I had done time before, I knew that I could do time, I could go lay down, um, you know, I could get my health back in order, uh, I could get my head right, and uh, little did I know, the yard that I went to, now when I went to the yard, we were still on COVID lockdown at the time. And so it was really limited movement. But when they finally let the yard up and, and opened the yard back up to, to full movement, um, there was a guy that I'd been talking to. He showed up on the yard um, shortly after I got there. And, uh, of course, we had been talking about some, some church services and, and a couple of pastors that I really got into listening to. Um, and he, he, uh, he said to me one night, he said, hey, man, why don't you go to a meeting with me? And, it, of course, in my mind, I'm like, sure, I'll go with you to, to support him, right? Oh, so they had, uh, they know, did, that, that was something I was, I was going to ask you, Daniel. So <laughs> they did have meetings sure. while you were in prison? Yes, ma'am. Uh, really? So the, you the never had any there. interest yeah. in going to them or anything like that until this time? Not once. Not, not once. Uh, but, uh, like I said, that guy asked me if I wanted to go to a meeting and I said, uh, uh, I said, sure, I'll go with you, because I thought I was supporting him. Right. Uh, you know, and, and like I said, little did I know, AA got me. Uh, so, you know, two years, um, uh, a little over two years, uh, about two and a half years, I, I attended every meeting that they had. We had four meetings a week, two AA meetings, two NA meetings, um, you know, one big book study, one 12-step study, and then the two NA meetings a week. Um, and then towards the towards the last, I think, four or five months of my incarceration there at the yard, the chaplain had actually set up with the warden to do an outside Zoom meeting with her home group to have a Zoom meeting brought in. And so really I was doing five meetings a week when I, when I walked out the gate. Um, you know, the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, the program of action and good sponsorship absolutely 100% saved my life. It changed me in such a way that, that I'll, 
I'll never be able to put accurate words to. There's there's so many things that it changed in my life, and it's still working today. Does that mean I have great days every day? No, but I know that I don't have to drink, and I know I don't have to use, and I know I can face life on life's terms. I have a good support system around me. I live in a sober living house in, in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, these guys are 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 absolutely awesome. Uh, you know, uh, my sponsor Ryan. If you listen to this, thank you so much. Um, my home group, Phoenix Group, man, you guys are awesome. So now, for um, people who know, don't, hey, hey, Daniel, for people who don't know what a sober live, what sober living is, you said you live in a sober living house. Tell the listeners what a yeah. sober living house is. Well, um, I, now I'm I'm in in a uh, sober living house that's run by Oxford House. It's a national. Uh, sober Living House uh, uh, organization. It's a nonprofit 501c organization that that really reaches out to addicts and alcoholics and when they're in an active recovery program. So what that looks like for me is, uh, um, you know, it's a. I mean, I'm in a seven bedroom house. Uh, all of all of the all of the bills are paid. Uh, they pay for even down to the toilet paper, paper towels, laundry soap, and everything. Um, it's $125 a week for me, so $500 a month isn't bad. I can, uh, you know, they they do require us to, to make a certain amount of meetings a week. Um, you know, we do have a curfew. Uh, we do have to have a job, or either have a job or you know volunteer in the community 25 hours a month. So we do have accountability. We've mm. got chore night. We've got things like this that that we're expected to uphold. Um, but you know. The thing that I've started to realize is all of these things are what normal society does on a regular basis. And so it's just uh, it's amazing to me to to have this opportunity and to know that there are places like this out there that can help people in in a position that i that I used to be in and that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if 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 the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, Oxford House, and all these things work for a guy like me, I know it can work for other people. Mm. Mm. So that I mean, absolutely. I, I, I my my life has changed uh, drastically for the better. I, I was saying, um, you know, I've got a good support system. I have people that um, just out of the blue call me during the day and say, and ask me how I'm doing. You know, three years ago, I had people blocking my number because they didn't want to hear from me, and now I have people reaching out to me just to check and see how my day is. And and that's you know that's. That's one of the biggest blessings that I could ever ask for is to be able to, to have an impact like that, um, you know, uh, in, not only in my community, but in my home, uh, in, in my home group, um, you know, with my sponsor and the guys that, uh, that I sponsor, too. And it just it makes all the difference in the world. You, so you mentioned that you had kids. Uh, I do. Yeah, I've got four kids, um, oh, okay. three boys and a girl. My old, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my my oldest is 31, and um, and my youngest is 26. Uh, three boys and a girl there, and they're awesome. Um, you know, they uh, they went through it too. Um, you know, and that's one thing that I've noticed uh, that I've actually had to come to realize is that, you know, um, regardless of the fact that I'm an addict and alcoholic, they they were victims in in that scenario. You know that whether and, and not to say that. It was a, you know, it wasn't a violent victim. That's not my point. But my point is, is I wasn't there. I wasn't present in the moment for them, um, you know, when when they needed me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it was because I was involved in, in 
you know, trying to find my next drink or my next drug or uh, whether I was in prison or just not there. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we talk about, um, you know, uh, uh, step eight and nine, the amends, you know, um, and, you know, those things are, are sometimes we're never going to be able to make those amends. But the one thing that, that one of my kids and now, and this is one of the coolest things ever too. my, my middle son, um, his sobriety date is 20 days after mine. Really? Uh, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good for him. Uh, so, which is, yes, which is really, really cool uh, to know because, you know, I think seeing me go through a lot of that, um, you know, even, even to the point of he, he'd come to visit me in prison when he was younger, my dad would bring him up there to see me. And, um, you know, and I always tried to express to him, like, you know, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do this. But th those are just words. He was right. seeing my actions. He wasn't. It, words don't mean a thing unless you can back it up with action. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but to see, to see the progress he's made, um, is, is, is such a cool thing for me to see. Um, but you know, he told me one night, you know, I, I was trying to do some amends and I called him on the phone before I got a, a release from prison. I called him on the phone one night and I said, Hey, listen, this is what I'm trying to do. And I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I can't say sorry because sorry has been said a thousand times. Um, you know, but, I, but I really want to make things right. And what he said to me, he said, dad, he goes, I know you can do better. He goes, I, I know you're trying and I can hear it in your voice and I can see it in your, you know, in what you're trying to do. Um, he said, but, but what I really need you to do is just make a living amends. And I didn't know exactly what that meant. I mean, I kind of did, but I didn't know what that meant, but you know, what I see now is the living amends that I can make is just to number one, keep doing the right thing. Um, and even if it's not, directly related to, to him or a relationship between him and I, it's reaching out to others and mm. it's bringing this message to other people that are still suffering because there's a lot of people out there suffering. You know, I know you see it and I see it every mm -hmm. day in the world. And it, you know, a lot of times it breaks my heart to see it, you know, because sometimes some people were never going to be able to reach and that, and, and that, you know, it does, it breaks my heart. So, but I'll never stop trying. Um, you know, I reach out to people on, on a, almost on a daily basis to, you know, see where they're at or, or, uh, you know, I've noticed if I don't start re if I'm not reaching out to people on a daily basis, then I start to get in my head mm. and, you know, um, and so I have to stay out of there as much as possible because this is a bad neighborhood for me to be in, especially after dark. Right. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. so that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, you know, if I can make, uh, if I can make a difference in one person's life then it, then it, then, then this program has, has done what it has done exactly what it's needed to do for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd like it to be more, but if I can just make a big difference in one person's life, then, then I feel my, my, my goal has been achieved. Well, I'm so happy that you mentioned that there's, that there were recovery meetings while you were inside prison. You know, I've got a couple of friends and I'll be honest, I haven't, I haven't done that type of service work, but I have some friends that do and um, it just, I, you know, I, at first, before you mentioned it, I thought, oh, my gosh, were there not any type of, you know, I just can't imagine being it, being locked up and not having any type of a solution like that to at least turn to once you're ready. You know, to, I just can't. Oh, my gosh, that would just be hell. So, yeah, God bless those people that are taking meetings inside jails and prisons and, and, and what have you. 
um, and carrying that message. I mean, that's just, you know, it's one thing for me to get out, you know, here behind this microphone and carry a message. I mean, that's, you know, but, but those are the true soldiers, you know, that are, that are just sure. really doing the, the heavy lifting. And so God bless them. Well, you know, I have to, I have to give credit to the chaplain, um, at the facility that I was at. She, uh, you know, she's been doing it for 14 years at that facility. Um, and she, uh, you know, she has 36 years sober. Um, I mean, she is in it to win it. Um, you know, and I, I've told her time and time again, I, I actually keep in contact with her even now on the streets. I call every couple of weeks just to say hi and let her know how I'm doing oh. because uh, there's a lot of people that, um, you know, it's kind of discouraging sometimes that some of those meetings, like, cause you see, um, you know, you see some of those guys come in, you know, just for the coffee because it's not the coffee off the canteen. It's brewed coffee. And so some of them guys come in just for a cup of coffee or some of them guys come in just for the AC or to get off their units for a little while. And that's fine. We say come in and stay for the message, mm -hmm. you know, stay for the message and stay till the miracle happens. But, you know, um, it, 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 so I've, I've kind of had to push that discouragement aside and just let the program work for itself. But our chaplain was, she is such an amazing person. Um, and I don't think that, I don't think the folks there realize the blessing that they have sitting in that office because the, because of the volunteer work she does the night she stays until eight and nine o'clock for the meetings and the zoom meetings and stuff. She's not on the clock. She's doing that volunteerly, mm, you know, wow. um, she, and, and the way she advocates for the staff and things at the prison, um, is just uh, uh, it's something you don't see very often. But you're right. The volunteers that bring the message in too, you know that they're doing that on their time too. Mm -hmm. And uh, but it just goes to show what this program really means. Um, you know, in carrying the message, that 12 step work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, having had a spiritual awakening, we tried to carry this message to other alcoholics and practice these principles in all our affairs. That's what we have to do. That's that program of action that works through us. And, uh, you know, to be able to do that is, is something that uh, I've actually started to kind of look into that, too, working with some Bridge the Gap folks for AA uh, here in this area, bringing meetings into um, a couple of the facilities that are around this area. Uh, we've got an outreach program in my home group uh, that, that does that. So I, I, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at joining that because I knew what the Bridge of the Gap folks and the volunteers that were bringing the message into prison did for me. Right. Um, you, know, when, you know, one of my sponsors was was an outside volunteer. Uh, you know, he, he lived in Mena, Arkansas, but he's from the Oklahoma City area and such a cool guy. You know, um, it, it never really made sense to me why somebody would do that until I started doing the work and realizing that it wasn't just for the people that they're working with. It was for them, too. Right. Um, you know, and, and that's such a profound idea that, you know, um, you know, I'd like a couple of the guys I sponsor. I, I, that's exactly what I tell them. But, you know, even if you don't get anything out of this, I am. Well, and you, you have know, people, you have people come in the rooms that, are, and, and, you know, that are, that are newbies and, and you share your, your, the, you know, your phone number and what have you, which I think is, you should get their phone number because it's anyway, but, um, you know, and yeah, it's one of those yeah. things that it's like, you see them and, and, and they've relapsed or whatever. And it's like, why didn't you call? It's like, well, I didn't want to bother you. It's like, you don't understand. I don't stay <laughs> yeah. sober unless you bother me. 
right? I mean, I, 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 yeah. I can't keep this unless I give it away to, to you, you know what I'm talking about. Just anybody that, that we, yep. that we have the, um, um, privilege of carrying the message to. I don't yeah. stay sober if I can't give this away. So please inconvenience me, right? It's like, I need you to inconvenience yeah. me so that I, because as soon as I'm talking to you about your four step, guess what I'm thinking in the back of my head, you know, Oh, maybe I forgot someone or maybe I, you know, it's, it's just, that's the, that's the magic of this program. You know, it just, it, it one alcoholic helping another one is just, and again, I could get all up in my feels, but I think I just <laughs> believe, you know, my higher power who I choose to call God, I think that's how he intended us to be on this planet, you know, um, to, to be there for one another and support one another. And, you know, um, it's just, it's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. It, it really is. Um, you know, that's where I get a lot of my relief from is getting those calls from those guys. Um, you know, because left to my own devices, you know, I've, I've always said it like this. Sobriety is more than just not drinking or using. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, there's, there, there's, there's, there's abstinence and then there's sobriety. And, you know, and this is the way I look at it. Sobriety is more of an emotional and mental state than anything for me. Um, now, does that say I drink and use? No, absolutely not, because that would put me right back into my emotional instability. That mm -hmm. would put me back into that insanity that I've worked really hard to get out of. And so um, being able to be put back at peace and, um, you know, like the ninth step promises talk about, you know, we'll know a new peace and a new freedom. Mm -hmm. you know, and it's absolutely true. But when I'm when I'm reaching out to others or when I'm talking to others, uh, you know, I'm I'm out of my head. I'm, I'm not in my head. And again, I've already said, you know, this is a bad place for me to right, be. Right, right. So, um, you know, it, it, just that just that little bit of reaching out keeps me out of my own stuff, just, even if it's for a few minutes. But then you're right, too. It kind of it makes us reflect back on ourselves and mm -hmm. go, hey, what did I miss? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, or, you know, because obviously I wasn't ever able to figure it out for myself. And it's now I'm relying on my sponsor to figure things out for me. And, you know, cause that's what we do. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm able to do that for somebody else, then again, it, it keeps me out of my head. Well, and, and I recently had the debate was and not really a debate, but a, you know, a discussion on the difference between, and, and, you know, at, I think we're saying the exact same thing, you know, as far as abstinence versus sobriety, but, but even more so uh, to me, sobriety versus recovery, right? Sobriety, yeah, yeah, right. sobriety to me is not drinking, right? I'm sober mm -hmm. means I do not have a drug or drink in my body. Sober, clean, same yeah. thing. You know, it's, I hate it when people try to distinguish yeah. the difference between drugs and alcohol. There is no <laughs> yeah. difference whatsoever. Yeah. Don't fool yourself. There is no bullshit thing called California sober. There's not. That's like being kind of pregnant. <laughs> you're either, you know, you're either sober or you're not. But my dad was sober for 37 years and was the one of the most miserable people on the planet, right? Because he was inside his head running around by himself all the time. Whereas in recovery, that's when we get out of self. We get out of self and into other people and, and you know, working, working the program. That to me is, that's my goal. I don't want to just be sober. I would literally eat a bullet if I were just sober. 
um, I need to be in recovery. Now, I know our literature says we have recovered, which I, yes, I have. Yeah. But but I still, I still can go inside that neighborhood after dark by myself, and it's not a safe place to be. And I start doing crazy things, start saying crazy things, and, you know, I end up being selfish and self-centered. And so to me, I have to recover again, right? Not completely, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's one of those things yeah. where I get to do this for the rest of my life. I get to go into yeah. a room of people that 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 know exactly how I feel. And the mirror that is their eyes that is looking at me isn't going to change. If I tell them something I did terribly, they're not going to want to uh, feel the need to chastise me. or They're just, you know, going to try to genuinely help me. I get to have that no matter anywhere in the world, right? Anywhere yeah. in the world. World, yeah. we can go and find our people. What a community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my husband is actually, you know, there are times where where Rick will actually say, you know, I man, I wish I had somewhere to go. I wish I had a room to go down and just, you know, <laughs> and just release everything and get people that that genuinely want to help and care to to or, you know, and that I've given the authority to look at me and go, are you being a little selfish right there? Or, I mean, what have you thought about it that way? And me not want to, you know, <laughs> you know, deck them or what have you. Um, but he's he, he doesn't have that type of a, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, you always come to our side and become an alcoholic or something. But anyway, it's uh, the, the community, <laughs> the community and the program, it just, um, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful the way that it works. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest things, um, you know, because uh, I'd said earlier, you know, the, the closest, the first time I was led to AA by a probation officer, and I wasn't ready, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and the closest I got was to the front door. Number one, you know, uh, you know, my mind told me that I didn't need it. I didn't have a problem. But then again, I'm like, and also in that same mindset, I was like, why do I need to go into a room full of drunks? That doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And so you know, that's just how, and unfortunately that's how a lot of people look at our programs like oh there's just a bunch of drunks in there mm -hmm. and you know what you're right and i'm a grateful recovering drunk right you know what i'm saying um because of that because because we can walk into the room and regardless of the background we have or uh you know we talked about this last we, we were talking about um, uh tradition 10 last night you know uh but regardless of, of any background we have or political affiliation or religious affiliation or whatever that gets left at the door right. and we walk in and we're in a room full of people that know where, you know, for the most of that, know where we are, that know where we've been, that know the pain and the suffering that we've caused our, not only ourselves, but everybody else around us. And we're equals, and, uh, you know, complete equals. Yes, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a genuine, it's a genuine love. I mean, it's, there's no other way to explain yes, it. it. Um, you know, and it's, I, the only regret I have was would, would have been, uh, you know, not picking up the AA program when that probation officer told me to a long but time ago. But you know what? Yeah, but I today, yep. It yeah. happened, you know, as well as I do, it happened exactly the way it was supposed to happen.
to where you could be of maximum yeah. service to your fellows. You know, it happened exactly the way it happened. Yeah. And yeah, and again, it just, it, it still, it's so, it's so cool to sit. Like I, I was at my home group meeting today at, at noon and, you know, we've got the person who, um, you know, who rides a bike or pushes a, a shopping cart up to the t- church. We're on the third floor of a, of a local church, um, you know, and we've got the, um, the attorney or the doctor across the town that, you know, is sitting at the same exact table, drinking out of the same exact coffee cups and talking about the same exact problems, the same exact yeah. problems. You know, it just, no. it's, it's just such a, all of the bullshit barriers that we as, as human beings, spiritually sick human beings, I think everybody's spiritually sick, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, I agree. The, all of the barriers that we put up and, and the judgments and the, all of, all of that, just like with the political and all the stuff you're talking about, the outside issues, we leave them at the door, you know, and we're yep. just a bunch of people that just want healing and and what's even more beautiful we we don't want it just for ourselves we want it for that person sitting across from us you know or that new person that comes in that just can't stop crying right yeah Yeah, we 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 know that yeah we know that newcomer is the most important person at the meeting um you know and i you know we've 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 figured out that this is a life and death situation for us you know what i mean um uh, it, you know, I, I, my my uh, chaplain used to say, you know, we, we've got alcoholic death or spiritual life. You know, well, how bad can alcoholic death be? And that was the way we looked at it when we were in the grips of our addiction or alcoholism. Mm-hmm. You know, how bad can it be? Or we hoped death for act? it. God, so, dog, I hoped yeah. for it. Bring or, it. Yes. Yeah. Bring it. Yeah. It would have been a relief. Yes. Yep. I'm just um, saying. I, 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 <laughs> Yep, I've been there. I've been there too. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I had two suicide attempts, and um, you know, thankfully that the same son I was talking about that's got 20 days sobriety less than me. Um, you know, he he was one of the reasons that I'm still here. He took the bolt out of the rifle, uh, you know, before I was able to get back to it because I, I was I was over it. I was done, and uh, you know, I'm I'm so so grateful that that's the case. But you know, because it did lead me to the point I'm at now, and to the uh you know to the to the emotional not not only not only substance recovery but the emotional recovery too emotional sobriety um, you know, so tell, tell me about that tell me about tell yeah. me about it. what and again we believe it or not it's actually really cool because we have a lot of not you know non-alcoholic addicts that that listen to the show so explain what is emotional sobriety what or what is that to you so, so emotional sobriety, you know, like I was saying earlier, like a lot of my, my substance abuse and alcoholism was really stemmed from past trauma, was early, you know, I would say early on, early childhood trauma. Um, one part of that that I didn't throw in was, you know, at about four years old, I think uh, my, my, my birth mother, and, and I will call her that for obvious reasons in a second, um, my, my, my birth mother uh, had called my dad and said, hey, do you want Dan for the weekend? And he said, absolutely. And I'm still not sure what's taken her so long because she never showed back up. Mm. But, you know, so that so that being said, you know, there was a lot of early childhood trauma and a, lo- a, a lot of, um, you know, acceptance issues and abandonment issues that were never dealt with. And whether I was sober, drinking, using, whatever, those all things played a part in, in every bit of it. Mm-hmm. And so after, you know, after the abstinence stage and stopping drinking, we're getting out of the mental obsession and the phenomenon of craving right? We're getting out of that. Okay. So now we have to figure out 
what those traumas are and as we go through the steps. So now we're in, you know, but by, by, by that time we're in, you know, step four, step five, we're going through these things with our sponsor and we're looking for these patterns and we find out, okay, well, where are my fears and where, where was I dishonest and selfish? And so a lot of our, a, a lot of my fears are based in exactly that were those past childhood traumas of, of either, you know, was it me? What was wrong with me? You know, what did I do wrong? Why are people not liking me? You know what I'm saying? Or, mm -hmm. or, and so now I figure out a way to, to make them like me or to make them accept me. And so that drove me to those substances that those people were doing. So now that I'm out of that, I can deal, you know, I can start to put, put those things where they belong and understand that it's not about me pleasing me and it's not about me pleasing others, but it's about me pleasing God. Mm. And so when I started to be able to do that, that's when I started finding emotional sobriety where I don't have to rely on others for acceptance. I don't have to worry about others abandoning me because it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Why let that fear drive me? Because that was essentially what it was. I was letting those fears and that anxiety drive my actions into bad situations or bad habits or bad decisions. And so when I was able to put those really into, into perspective and go, you know what, I got to stop letting this fear and letting this anxiety control me and because that's just putting the keys to the car in somebody else's hands when mm -hmm. I start doing that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and that's letting them drive me. That's letting them rent, live rent-free in my head. And so then I start making bad decisions. I start, um, let's just, for instance, you know, I may start slipping and going to meetings or start, you know, start having, you know, bad thoughts and, and things like that. And so I, I can't allow that to happen anymore. But being able to realize the triggers was the biggest part for me to be able to say, okay, wait a minute. Now I have to step back and look at this. And why am I feeling this way about whatever that social situation is? Because, you know, to, to be, to be, to be blunt, you know, I haven't been out of prison that long. So mm -hmm. the dynamic in there, the dynamic behind the fence was a lot different than what it is here. You know, there's a lot of different social situations that I'm, in, you know, engaging in now. There's a lot of different, um, you know, I mean, there was different personality types in there too, obviously, but there's a lot of different personal personality types out here on the street. And so without that emotional sobriety, I wouldn't know how to deal with people not only life on life's terms, but people on people's terms. Mm -hmm. And the one, there's a, there's a quote that I heard that it's, you know, we have to meet people where they're at and not expect them to meet us where we're at. And so if I start living my life as if, uh, you know, like the book talks about the actor in a play, right? If everything would go his way, the show would come off just fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's that ego talking. That's that self-centered and that selfish and self-centeredness thinking that, well, if they would only do this, then I would be okay. Well, there we go back to the emotional instability again. And so really to be able to put that into place and put God first, put God in the middle of all of our situations and let him lead, then we're going to be okay. Well, that and doesn't even, mean I don't have bad days. Right. Well, and even, you know, meeting someone where they are, you know, that's one thing. But there, there's a lot of times, too, Dan, that, that um, you know, it's one of those things. That maybe I just need to leave them where they are and I be where I am. Maybe, maybe there's, yes. maybe yeah. there's a situation where we don't have to meet up. You know what I mean? People try, people trying yeah. to force, you know, squ square pegs into round holes kind of things. It's like, <laughs> you, you know, but, and that's yeah. where, you know, you can separate with love, meaning you can, you can, you know, not have just, you know, and, and it's, it's come to like, you know, for instance, even family and stuff. So, you know, t if someone is toxic in your life, 
and they're doing their thing, you don't have to go where they are. You can you can pray for them, but but you can also protect yourself from them. And and you know, with with love and respect, and you pray for them, everything you're praying for yourself. But sometimes we just need to give them space to be who they are, and we we do yeah. our thing and look at the for the next person that we can help. You know. Yes. Yeah, if if I was, uh, you know, and because, and I've also read this somewhere, like, uh, you know, when when we start sponsoring people and we start reaching out, if you know, it would be easy to get discouraged when one falls off, mm. or uh, you know, or or it or it just doesn't take with that person, you know. So it would be easy for for a sponsor to get discouraged in that aspect. But the more times you do it, you know, it it get, number one, it gets easier. But then you also have to realize that. You know, that person may just not be ready. There you have it. See, because um, when we do as a sponsor, because I know what you're talking about, because I refused, I refused to sponsor for the first eight years of my sobriety. I mean, I just, I just was like, nope, don't need to do that. I'll do all these things, but I don't need to do that. And my sponsor finally, because I've had the same sponsor, thank you, God, since March 14, 2012. But she looked at me and she said, you know, you're being a real selfish butt right now. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, (laughs) she said, what, what in you makes you think that you're going to screw someone up? Do you really think you have that much power? And I thought, oh, crap. I didn't think of it like this. She said, it's not up to you to get someone sober. You can't get you sober. So you sure the hell can't get someone else sober. That's God's job. All you have to do is be willing to be used. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I'm I'm just I'm not I'm not even the ink in the pen. I'm not I'm just the little the little squid the tubey thing that holds the ink. You know, that's all I am in a sponsor, sponsor yeah. sponsee situ- situation. I just ask God to use me to, you know, the minute I start thinking that I can help someone, ooh, that someone needs to run from me because I ain't got no business helping nobody. It's God that uses right. me to reach someone, you know. Yeah, it's it's basically it's laying that spiritual toolkit at their feet, right? That was laid at our feet for us to pick and up and show them how and, we and use a, those tools. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I like about you know that's what I like about our program is is uh you know it really I I haven't found yet, and I'm sure there are, but I haven't found yet. Um, too many people that if you go to and go, hey, how do you go through the steps? They're all going to show you the same way. Mm-hmm. You're going to do the same thing. Uh, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna do your step work. You're gonna do your writings. You're gonna do your readings, and it's and it's usually a, a pretty close to the same. It's, mm-hmm. You know, it's a pretty tight program, and that's what I like about it. So it's not like it's not a uh, it's not something that I have to manufacture or and you know or I have to. You know, Re- come up reinvent with some the wheel. Wild, nope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't have to do that. I just, you know, um, I can. I can. I can show them a page to turn to in the book and go here. You. You do this. Grab right. a highlighter and let's do some writing. You well, know what I'm and, saying? and and it's, uh, generally, I'll get. I'll get with an, another woman, and and it's one. It's one of those things that we're going to read through this, and when they write something down, we're going to write it down, or when they pray something, we're going to pray yeah. it. We're just going to simply follow yes. something that has worked for 88 years now. Something, yes. there yes. might be something to it to actually follow it the way that it was written. Yes. It's really simple. We Millions just, yeah, I've, I've seen yes. so many people try to 
try to decorate it. And it's like, no, okay, what is this that we say in the rooms? Keep it simple, stupid. Um, you know, it's like, no, it's, it's yeah. already, it's already written down <laughs> literally in black and white, you know, and, and just, it's, yeah. it's a follow the, follow the directions. Right. Because before I came yeah. into the yeah. rooms, I didn't follow anyone's direction. You know, I was, yeah, nope. that was friggin' Tasmanian devil out there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, a, so tell, tell me, how do you start your day every day? Um, usually my, the beginning of my day looks like this. Um, you know, I'll, I'll get up, I'll make my bed. Uh, because I heard somebody very, very, very influential in my life. Tell me the best way to change the world. The simplest way to change the world is to make your bed every morning. Have you heard that so speech? Hang on a second. That. Have you heard that speech? It was, a. Uh, um, Oh gosh. Okay. So I challenge you, Dan, Google, um, 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 uh, graduation speech, make your bed, Google that and listen to that guy. Okay. Oh man. It's so sure good. Will. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> but that, but, but his premise behind that was if you've done that, you've at least, you know, if nothing else goes right the rest of the day, you have accomplished something and completed something that you were supposed to do. At least you have that thing. Yes. Yeah, it's beautiful. So yep. I'm sorry. You make your bed. No, that's fine. So, so I make my bed. Um, I I take a few minutes just to you know, um, I you know step eleven continue through prayer and meditation. Um, so uh, you know that's usually what that looks like. I give myself you know five maybe ten minutes just to meditate to, to just be in the moment mm -hmm. to breathe to you know to to just to think of thoughts of gratitude. What am I thankful for today? What, what are some things? And it can be the simplest things. I mean, it can be, uh, you know, especially my first couple of days here, you know, I'd go out in the backyard and I would do my little meditation time and I would see rabbits in the yard. Okay. And that was enough for me to be grateful for because I, you know, just stepped out of prison and being able to sit in a backyard and watch these rabbits jump around the yard. Oh, I know man. it sounds simple, no, but that's man, that is something to be grateful for, you know? Um, but, but just to know that, uh, so, so, this, so that's what it looks like. I make my bed. I meditate for a few minutes. Um, I pray. Um, I, and, and I don't not up walking around with my coffee cup in my hand or, or, you know, with the TV on, I mean, I'm on my knees praying. Um, and, and because that's important, that's what, you know, my sponsor now and every other sponsor before me said on your knees, pray, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, that, it's, that, it's that daily surrender. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the daily reflection that I am an alcoholic. I am an addict that, you know what I'm saying? And my life has, has become unmanageable. Right. And so what do I do about it? I have to, I have to surrender every morning. Um, and then, you know, after that, then that's when I kind of get my day started. But I'm always usually trying to keep that gratitude in my mind. Um, and there's been times, um, and that's why I say usually that's my morning. Um, you know, there have been times where, you know, I've, I've skimped on the meditation or uh, I've gotten up in a rush and, and haven't hit my knees to pray. And it's those days that I see the most turmoil, mm. um, whether it's, you know, uh, whether it's me being in my head or you know, just something like I'm late for, cause I ride the bus and to get to work and things like that. So uh, I'm late to the bus or I'll, I'll forget something at home. Um, you know, and, and so it does, it causes me a little bit of turmoil that I could have easily just put to the side and, you know, um, you know, done my meditation, done my morning prayer and, and then, and then went from there. Um, you know, I, 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 
I step work myself every morning, you know, and that's basically what I have to do to even make my day manageable. Uh, cause you know, I can't do it on my own. I need, I need help. Mm-hmm. And there's only one that can do that. Mm-hmm. So what may you find that now? Amen to that. Well, and you know what? I was listening to it. Of course, we still call them speaker tapes, and and uh, that you made me think of something, Dan, when you said that. Um, you know, that one is God. May you find Him, and it's like where do where do you think He is? He is where, or, or whatever you choose to call your higher power, is where we usually aren't. Which is where yeah. do you find Him? Now. Yes. I'm usually not in the now. I'm in yesterday when right. someone made me mad, or I'm in, oh gosh, what am I have to do to tomorrow? What's happening at six o'clock? I'm hardly ever. May you find him now. Now right. is where he I've, is. I've never, he is. That's awesome. I've never, I know, I've never right? heard it put like that. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, we, we used to say, um, uh, you know, we, you know, because there's, I know there's a lot with the, with the, uh, with you know the fears and anxieties, mm-hmm. and you know we're on on this and on the simplest level, you know as humans we 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 we're we're governed by fight or flight, okay, fight or flight, and that's what we're governed by. And so um, you know it's the pain and pleasure. And so we found that you know uh, I know me as as an alcoholic, I've found that you know it was easier for me to find pleasure in a bottle than it was to deal with the pain as it is. Mm-hmm. And so. But then what happens with that was is is not dealing with the pain. Then it gets is it, it starts getting pushed to yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. And now I'm stuck in a loop of fear because now I know what pain is and I'm always fearful of that pain coming back to the forefront mm-hmm. or the anxiety that it is going to be coming. And so you're right. So when I'm in the now, that I'm not focused on yesterday or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so um, you know. And that's why the 24 hour thing is, is, is the best is that 24 hours is the best day we can have. Um, well, and, and look, you know, at, look uh, at our prayer that most, most meetings end with, give us this day, not this give us day, this yeah. yesterday, not give us yep. this tomorrow. Yep. Give us this day. Right. Our, he not only says it once, our daily bread, not our monthly, not our weekly, yeah. not our, you know, it's give us this day. And he only promises us that, you know, every 24 hours, that's all, all we're given. And, 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 you know, at least in my childish mind, you know, that's just, this is what I'm giving you in this, you know, and oh, I, that same speaker, that's what I was going to say. That, that same speaker was talking about depression and anxiety. And I'm fully aware, do not send me messages. I'm fully aware there are chemical imbalances that cause, <laughs> yes, okay, I get that. For most people, depression is is feeling um, uh, the lack of power for what's happened in the past, a lack of control, right? That mm-hmm. you didn't have control over yep. things that happened in the past. And anxiety is fear of not being able to control something in the future. Yes. Wow. I mean, when he yes. put it that way, I'm like, oh, crap. Uh, yeah, that about sums it up. Because if I'm depressed, it, it does. I'm, I'm thinking about something that has happened that I didn't have any control over. Otherwise, it would have been different, right? Or yep. anxiety, I'm fearing <laughs> what's going to be happening, and 99.999% of the time, I don't have control over what's going to happen anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's the actor, in the, stay, the actor in the play again. Yeah, right? Yep, the actor in the play, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. And that's a lot to carry around. What was the biggest thing that was a surprise to you once you got into recovery? Um, 
the, okay, the biggest surprise to me, uh, once I got into you know, honestly, man, just the way that I can connect with people again, or let me rephrase that, the way people are willing to connect with me. Mm. Uh, you know, for so long, uh, you know, in my active addiction and alcoholism, I had drove so many people away that I thought that was the norm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, you know, leaving that devastation, destruction, the path a mile wide, you know, I, I, I literally had, I had alienated everybody and uh, everybody and everything around me. And so the willingness for people to, uh, to want to be a part of what I'm doing or uh, to want to be um, like, like those phone calls that I get or the text messages throughout the day that I get just asking me how I'm doing. That is surprising to me mm. because I'm not used to that. I'm used to people not wanting to talk to right. me, not wanting to be around me. And I think that's the biggest surprise for me is just that, that willingness for people, uh, you know, or for me to be, for me to realize that willingness in people. Yeah. To be, to actually want to be a part of my life. Mm. That's beautiful. I'm so grateful that you came on here with me today. I really am. And I, I ain't your mama, but I'm so proud of you. I mean, go you. I mean, you know, <laughs> okay. this is this is one of those things that um, I think that it, 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 what I know about recovery and, and, you know, I've got a little bit of time at this. Um, it just gets better and better. It just gets better and better. I, I, I think you're right on that. I, I think you're right. I'm, I'm seeing it, too. Well, um, it gets it gets better and better and it gets easier and easier. So. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Life is still going to happen. But at least now we have a solution yep. to to to, yes. to cease that insanity. Thank you so much. God bless you. You're in my prayers. I'm so grateful to know you. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. And if this and if this hits just one person, then I think my job is my job is done. Amen. So Amen. I, I, I so appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for living, listening to the Purpose Driven Sobriety Podcast. Thanks for listening to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Keep coming back. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.